For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Thunder fans? You people are listening to Topic Thunder. What's up, Thunder fans? I am here tonight with... A special guest. We're very excited to have him. But first, let me introduce the members of our usual unit that are here with us. First off, from the great state of Nebraska, we've got Maddie Moles. What's up, Maddie? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Just glad to be here. And uh, you know, I've been kind of under the weather lately, so you could say I've had some uh, some snot dripping. <laughs> but I've been on that Pedialyte, and it's been hitting hard. So uh, that's just a public service announcement. Go get yeah, some Pedialyte if you're sick. You could say that. Hint, hint. Uh, okay, so, and then next up, I've got Anthony Montero from Oklahoma. How's it going, Anthony? What's good? Just surviving the uh, storm of the century that netted us uh, maybe 12 hours of snow and then melted the next day, so. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it through, man. All right, so like we said, we've got a special guest here, a special member of the unit for Topic Thunder, and we just couldn't be more excited. He is a writer for Real Ball Insiders and Lineups.com. He's the co-host of another pop culture pun-related basketball podcast, Dunk Tales, which we couldn't appreciate more here at Topic Thunder. He's a man that needs no introduction, except for the fact that you can't see him, so I have to introduce him. You know him on Twitter as the self-styled Tweet Good Mac, the hilariously added Snotty Drippin'. We're proud to present James Holis. What's up, James? What's up, fellas, man? It's like deja vu. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I talk to you guys on Twitter all the time. So if this is like this already happened or something, I guess. But no, nah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That intro was way more than I deserve. And I'm pretty sure your listeners are going to be sorely disappointed. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Thanks for thanks for covering for us a little bit on our on our rookie mistakes. So that's normally we, my job to disappoint our listeners. So <laughs> I'll take that. So we've got a bunch of Twitter questions for you um, from our listeners. We reached out to them and they responded very well. Most of those are going to come later in the Thunder segment. That seems to be what they're most interested in for, for some reason. But we do have one up top from Superflight at Superflight Pod. Is that somebody you're familiar with, James? That's uh, my guy. That's the other podcast from my guy, Joe Borelli. Me and Joe Borelli are the one-two punch on the Dunktails pod. So what up, Joe? All right, so here's a question from Joe. It's why is at Snotty Drippin' cheating on the at Dunktails pod like that? 
Look, man, when I do Dunk Tales, I try to be a good podcaster. You know, I'm, I'm dedicated. But sometimes you want to step out a little bit, have a little fun inside, you know. So you guys call me late for a late, a late you know, a late podcast. <laughs> Slid in here. You know, we're all on the mics. You know, it's, you know, hey, what, what Joe doesn't know doesn't hurt him. It's all good. Yeah, you always got to have pods in different time zones, right? And we've got we've got a couple of them covered right here. I mean, so, hey, just like that Dunk Tales my main and the Celtics are my main team. You know, I got you guys, and then like the Thunder are like my side squad. You know. <laughs> All right, so I'm yeah, good. that that kind of leads into the first question I had for you. So, even though you are a media member, maybe a media adjacent, you do consider yourself a fan of teams, in particular the Celtics. That's correct. Yeah, I'm a I'm an NBA fan in general, and I blog about the NBA when I do write. But uh, as I I do consider myself a, I consider myself a Celtics fan. And just like uh, I'm a player fan, Russ is my favorite player in the NBA. Uh, my second of all time, my first being Scottie Pippen, obviously from Scottie Griffin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm a fan. I just I try to stay as and I think it's funny. All the media members say the same thing. You're supposed to be unbiased. And all. No, that's not. We, we all have our biases one way or another. And you can even tell the media members who say they're unbiased have their own biases. So um, oh, yeah. I'm definitely a fan. I'm a fan of the Celtics and, I, and I'm a, a Thunder fan adjacent. Because, you know, I've been following Russ ever since he tried to murder Pau Gasol and bind him in the playoffs back in like 2012 with that crazy dunk he tried. And he's been my radar since. So, I mean, I cheered when he won MVP. Uh, I love the fact that the analytics heads hate him so much. And he's he's always defying the odds, man. That's that's my guy. So that one <laughs> dunk attempt was the major factor in bringing you to Russell Westbrook fanhood. What percentage of your of your Scottie Pippen fanhood is that one dunk on Patrick Ewing? Um, I mean, like I, I was following Scotty before that, though. I'm an old head, so. Uh, but you know, Scotty just, hey, I thought he was at one time probably a top four or five player in the league, which is probably not true. But uh, he played a position, he played defense, he was long, he was rangy. He'd be crazy in today's NBA. Scotty Pippen would be amazing in today's NBA. So he's just one of those players that caught my attention, and it's kind of like Russ. He was kind of like, uh, you know, he was a, a big star. He was still kind of an underdog and kind of underappreciated. So that's that's what I like about him. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not a whole lot of people, uh, you know, in, especially for that era team, single out Scottie Pippen as like their number one fan. And I wholly agree. I think he was an underrated player um, for what it is they talk about with those, you know, two, three peat teams. Absolutely. People still try to say, oh, you know, Mike, Mike did it by himself. No, yeah. Scottie was good, but he was, it was all Mike and the Jordanaires. And Mike, yeah, Scottie was great. He was a great player in his prime. Uh, I just wish he had, uh, you know, his back kind of let him down late in his career so he wasn't the same. But, yeah, Scotty was great. Everybody points to that one season where Jordan retired, and they're like, look, look what happened when Scotty was a superstar. He was. Yeah, he made it. He, I think they, they only won, like, two less games, and they got, you know, they almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. He was great, man. Yeah. So we will let you talk about your favorite squad here for a little bit before we move on to the Thunder. We'll do some non-Western Conference topics. Uh, the Boston Celtics are currently resurgent they're in fifth in the east but they started off the season a little slow so what do you think is up with boston or what was up with boston to start the year uh quite a few things man um i actually uh, lo- uh thank you to up and under.net they let me actually write a piece for them on the celtics earlier on when they were really struggling and we had this conversation like you know a week and a half ago be a totally different conversation uh boston had one thing was Gordon Hayward. Uh, he was about he was about two months behind schedule. I don't know if you guys remember, but he actually had another surgery in May, 
to get some screws removed from his ankle or something because they were, they were bothering him. He's had a lot of pain. And that put him back in a walking boot until like June, maybe July. So he was about two months behind his rehab schedule. And that shows. That's one big issue. Uh, the other big issue was that those young guys, Kyrie, I mean, not Kyrie, uh, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, with injuries last season, they got a lot of freedom. And they surprised, and they played very well. But when you're allowed to play free, you know, and and just kind of have the ball and do things, it might not be ugly, but they got a lot of wins. We're seeing now they're asked to be played. They actually they're asked to be playing in narrower roles, smaller roles, and they're struggling, like taking another step back. And that's they're young guys, and they want to win, but they also want to play well and show what they can do. That was a big part of the problem early in the season. Jason Tatum was taking bad jumpers. Jalen Brown was trying to do too much. Uh, and Terry Rozier just struggled coming off the bench. So uh, the way things are now in Boston, uh, you can see everybody selling back to their roles. Gordon Hayward coming to the bench changes the dynamic. Marcus Smart and uh, Mook Morris as starters gives like that, that. They have clear established roles around Kyrie and Al Horford and Jason Tatum, and that makes things a lot more streamlined. And you can see it. They're, they're, I think they've won eight of twelve. The last uh, in the last maybe two, three weeks, they're like top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. So Boston, I think, has turned the corner and and Jalen Brown coming back from the injury. Now he's come off the bench. He's playing well again after struggling the first part of the season. So, so, um, you know, you hear people say things like Boston had too many, too many good players. There's only one basketball. You never hear that about any other good team. And I think now Boston's figuring out how to use their personnel correctly. Yeah, even with uh, Gordon Hayward injury, you know, typically those type of guys just want to you know, starters like that want to play through the injury and just kind of work it out as they go. He decided to, you know, take a step back and felt like his he would be better suited to coming off the bench until he got right. Um, and that's not something you see a lot of $30 million superstars, you know, doing. And you, you're absolutely correct, man. That's like, that's a big deal. Uh, I, I was even worried more about Jalen Brown when he came back from his little injury. He fell on his, I think he, he bruised his tailbone. He missed like three or four games. And now he's come off the bench because, you know, he earned, he was a starter all last year. And so these guys are pushing their ego to the side. And Kyrie talked about this. Everyone wanted to win early on the season, but they wanted to win on their terms, doing what they do. And uh, it took them, you know, everyone had to kind of basically buy into the game plan all over again. Jason Tatum said that these guys, uh, the Celtics maybe had started buying into their own hype. They read their own press clippings. And he's like, we just weren't as good as we thought we were. So that that takes a lot to, you know, a lot of humility for all these guys to admit these kind of things. And um, maybe Brad Stevens had a little bit of Phil Jackson in him where he let him play. He's like, all right, we're going to listen to you guys play. And, you know, the losses kind of piled up. They got embarrassed a few times. And now he's like, okay, we tried it your way. Do you guys see what I'm saying now? And guys, they have proof and they're buying in. So uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is the team that we thought it'd be. The Zen Master huh. 2.0. I'll take that, but it's funny how a lot of even media people kind of hate Brad Stevens because of all the credit and kudos he gets. And, you know, but I love the guy. How much uh, do you think it, that his relationship with Gordon Hayward had uh, as far as an impact for getting Hayward to take that bench role? Maybe he wouldn't have taken that for any other coach. Yeah, uh, from from all accounts, Gordon Hayward's very hard on himself. And, like, you can see it even on the court. He misses a couple of shots. His shoulders slump. His eyes roll. He's hard on himself. So I'm pretty sure the uh, the relationship helps a lot because a guy making $30 million a year telling him, hey, we need to come off the bench, that's, that's tough. But also, I mean, because he was really struggling and he wants answers too, that probably helped a lot too. But, yeah, uh, he said that coming to Boston, a lot of it was Brad Stevens. 
So you know, having a real type of relationship with the coach. And I mean, that team seems to really trust Brad Stevens too. So um, it, it was a little rough early, but yeah, being co- being tight with, with uh, Gordon Hayward probably helped Brad Stevens a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just funny to hear you say the argument that a lot of media people were putting out there, which is they have too many good players. <laughs> that's just hilarious to me. Like too many good players. Come on. Like that's not a problem for anybody, <laughs> you know, having, Having too many players who think they're good is a problem, but actually having legitimately good players is just something that's going to work itself out if the coach is anything worth his salt. And a team that's kind of went through the same thing, having a lot of good players, having a few added, and then getting a good coach in is the Toronto Raptors. And the Raptors have been the class of the East so far this year, the class of the NBA, really, with the best record and the largest point differential in the league. So, do you think Toronto can pose a real challenge for uh, you know who? Uh, so the thing about Toronto is, and we're seeing a couple of cracks in the armor. They lost three or four, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the, like they lost again tonight to the Bucks. Uh, even though the Bucks were missing the new guy they just traded for, still haven't played for the Bucks. But you know, um, the trap. The Tira- the Toronto Raptors right now, as constructed, definitely can, can they can they have a chance to reach the finals. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has looked like a superstar again. My thing is Kyle Lowry's really been struggling for the last maybe week and a half, two weeks. He's he's you know this is early for him. Usually he'll get tired and he'll he'll wear down the second half of the season. He's really been struggling. Um, OG Ananobi hasn't been the impact guy I thought he'd be this year. Uh, even though Pascal Siakam looked great, uh, but yeah, they, they have all the pieces. They're deep. Uh, Nick Nurse seems like he's a good coach, even though uh, I've seen complaints because he keeps going smaller and smaller instead of going big. He, I guess he, he tried you know, Siakam at center, and or he goes surge as the only big man, and they're getting crushed on the boards, and it, it, it kind of shows. So, um, yeah, they, they have it. It's, it's still early in the season. They're going to get better as Kawhi gets more settled in. They definitely – they're better than I thought they'd be early, but now they're starting to show some of the growing pains. Do you think that uh, Kawhi makes the difference in the playoffs? Because we know, as we've seen for the last few years, Toronto is always a great regular season team, but they always got, and granted, LeBron James was part of the reason they always failed in the playoffs, but do you think Kawhi Leonard could make the difference? I mean, look, all respect to DeMar DeRozan. I'm not one of those people who, you know, we had some of those advanced analytics guys who say that he's a bad player. The DeRozan to me is great. He can get it. He can score in the phone booth. Uh, this season, he's averaging a lot of assists. Kawhi Leonard is head and shoulders better than DeMar DeRozan. So even if LeBron was in uh, still in the East, I would like Toronto's chances so much better this year because Kawhi Leonard is the real deal. Um, we talk about LeBron James. We know he's the best player in the NBA. He doesn't play defense. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are named are no one and two in some order. I think Kawhi is right there when he's healthy and he's right. And right now he's healthy and he's right. He, he, you know, the jumper looks good. He's, he's still aggressive defensively. So yes, I definitely think in the playoff situation, even to say the Celtics meet the, meet the Raptors in playoffs, um, I would worry because Kawhi Leonard would be the best player in that series. Now against a team like Golden State, it's still like the math doesn't add up because Golden State has mm-hmm. two superstars and then two other all-stars and it just doesn't add up. And, and Golden State when healthy is just so much better than everyone else. So that's what uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can stay healthy because Draymond's already struggling. Steph's already missing games. That's what's going to be interesting to see. All right. So um, who do you think comes out of the East this year? Just make it I that mean, simple. I, w- I wouldn't be a real fan if I didn't say Boston. Uh, I there think, you go. 
I, I really <laughs> we can respect that. We can respect even, that. Even as a fan, I got to say, I think Boston has shown when healthy they can play with anybody in the last couple of years. I think they're getting more comfortable with each other and with the team scheme. Um, they already beat Toronto once. They, uh, they've had a couple of good wins. They've had some bad losses, too, but that, that was early in the season. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Raptors can uh, – I mean, not the Raptors. The Celtics, when healthy, uh, everyone's clicking. There's not a lot of teams that have as, as much talent one through seven as something. So do you think the Celtics need to make a move by deadline? Uh, no, I don't. I think uh, – and I think, you know, Ainge likes to tinker with the roster. Maybe someone we brought in because there's a lot. There's people like uh, my my guy Gershon Yabuselli. I love him. He's fun, but uh, I mean, I think right now they're they're right at the tax line, and I know that you know they don't want to have to start paying the tax yet. They're going to have to pay it when they you know they have a lot of money in that roster tied up. So Gershon might be moved, little small moves, but I think I think the core seven or eight guys are probably still going to be there. So. I got a question for you, and, and this is, uh, you know, three things in life are certain. One, death. Two, taxes. And three, when is Danny Ainge going to finally make a move for Anthony Davis? So the rumor mill has been hot about Anthony Davis being moved to Boston. I know that there can't be Davis and Kyrie on the same team due to the Rose Rule. So is that a move that you would like to see Boston make? And if so, what type of a package would you be okay with in order to get Anthony Davis back? I mean, if honestly, and this is going to sound blasphemous as as a Celtics fan, if you know the Rose Rule, only one one of those guys could be on the roster at once, right? That that giant mega contract guy. I would mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset if they they added uh, Kyrie in that deal going to New Orleans because um, I love Kyrie. I love him. He's great. He's fun. But we're talking upper echelon top five player. That's Anthony Davis, you know, and and that's what you want if you're trying to win a championship. Um, so I give up Kyrie. Uh, honestly, I love Jalen Brown. That's my my large adult son. I'd give up Jalen Brown. Um, and that's probably it for, you know, then you can just bits and pieces. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give up, you know, I wouldn't give up Jason Tatum, um, Al Horford. I mean, if, hey, if they want Al. They can have out, but they, not all three. It wouldn't be Kyrie, Jalen, and Al. It'd be two of those, you know, two of those three. Um, so, yeah, man, it, I, hey, if you got to do it, you got to do it. You got your chips on the table. And right now, as constructed, I like Boston's chances. I think Anthony Davis just raises the ceiling of that team so much because he's, he's a beast. He's awesome. Yeah, as an outsider looking in, I could see how you'd be comfortable getting rid of Kyrie, you know, he's a great player, but you're, like you said, Anthony Davis is one of those upper echelon guys. And you've already got a guy in Terry Rozier that proved it last year. And, um, you know, he's not going to be Kyrie, but he can he can do a serviceable job. Oh, yeah, because that's the thing, right? He's Let's say he's 75% of Kyrie. That's still better than a lot of point guards. And we know that Ty, uh, Rozier showed that when he plays at his best, he's a starting point guard. You know, that's why some teams going to get really lucky next year. But if you can get him and that's what I worry about, like even say they move Kyrie, whatever, get Anthony Davis, you still got to pay Rozier or something. And he's going to look for a good chunk of change. So um, I'm not, I trust Ainge. You know, Ainge gets he got he got a lot of flack last summer for the moves you make. I remember they, people clown the Marcus Morris trade. People clown. So whatever. I, I trust he'll do the right thing. Um, I just don't think, you know, Anthony Davis is under contract for two more seasons. And if that move happens, it won't be until next summer, right? If they, they offer him that max extension next summer, he says, I'm not taking it. That's when you're going to hear, hear, you're going to hit the trade rumor. So we'll see. It's, it's interesting to see. 
Yeah, that is interesting. That 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 would be a huge pivot point in the NBA. But so I think that's about all the Celtics talk our listeners are going to put up with. So let's let's move over to the Western Conference right quick. Uh, he, let's just make this question simple. So are the Rockets bad? Honestly, I was <laughs> one of those people trying to have the measured, reasonable take. You know, hey, man, it's just James Harden, still Chris Paul. This team is just taking their time to get it together because Paul missed some time with injury. Now, they've now lost. They're 2-7 in the last nine. 11-14 overall. That is insane to me. I cannot remember the time. Well, I can't remember the time a team looked so good one year and it came back and looked at this. Guess who it was? It was the Rockets because the Rockets did this a few years ago. Right. They look great one year and then they came back the next year and they they got smacked in like their first three or four games. I think they had like a 30 point loss, some nonsense. And they never got really right. They barely squeaked into the playoffs. Harden looked heavy coming into the season. That kind of reminds me of this. And I think we all spoke about, you know, why they let Trevor Reza just walk. You know, why why they lost their two defensive wings in, in Reza and Luke many names. I never say his last names. Um Bute. <laughs> there you go. So Luke many names and, and Trevor Reza. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, and they they try to replace him with Melo, and you know they're they're trying to just, you know Gary Clark. They're just recycling these D league level players, and it's showing. Um, your boy uh, PJ Tucker, who's who was supposedly untouchable, he's not playing well. He's shooting like right. under thirty five percent and twenty seven percent from three of the last nine games. Um, you know Eric Gordon had had a kind of an outburst to the media how no one's having fun and players not being used right. So this is a um. This is something with James Harden I've always wondered about because he's a great player. Even right now, even these nine games where they're, they're losing, they're, they're two and seven, he's averaging like 31, eight, and six, and he's shooting the ball well, but he's still, you know, they're losing. Like, he, these are empty stats right now. And I, I and Chris Paul came back from injury. He's really struggling. He's, he's shooting like, you know, 25% from three in the last five games. And they're, uh, so I just, yes, I got to say yes, man. They're, they're a bad team. Right now, they're a bad team. They can turn it around. But right now, the Rockets just aren't good. Uh, maybe we'll get some aggregation on this one. <laughs> What's funny is uh, you just said, you know, obviously James Harden still putting up numbers and still having phenomenal games. But it's crazy how the perception of um, the media plays into whether or not that's good or not. Case in point, you're a fan of Russell Westbrook, and you remember last year and a little bit towards the year before that, Russell Westbrook was still putting up numbers, but they just didn't have the support around him to win games. And and then in the media, he got portrayed as you know being selfish and, and just a stat patter, this and that. And it's crazy how James Harden is the lovable, likable guy and doesn't get accused of the same thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of James Harden, but it's a crazy how perception is. It's absolutely insane because Russell Westbrook, has spent the last two seasons averaging triple double. Uh, the last two years, he's been just like the offensive, the offensive son that everything rotated around in OKC. And yes, he gets called a stat patter. He get called. He gets. He gets called selfish. And now James Harden is averaging thirty one a game on a losing team. And it's oh, maybe it's maybe they need Trevor Reza back. Maybe it's Clint. <laughs> It's it's just insane how it is. And I'm gonna bring that up. I think we're gonna we're gonna make that a topic. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this. Shine a light on this because it's not right. Now, of course, if they turn around and rip off ten wins in twelve games, then we, you know, you can't say anything. But right now, the Rockets have been a bad team. Harden's putting up great numbers, and they're still losing. So, like, what's going on? Yeah, and I remember when they got back that defensive coordinator coach, and everybody thought that was going to make all the difference. But what's 
What I find interesting about the Rockets and specific to the Thunder is that the Rockets lost some role players and everybody was just like, oh, they're just role players. But no, they weren't just role players. They were role playing wings. And I think we as Thunder fans have kind of traveled through the desert for many years looking for a competent role playing wing without ever finding one. So I think maybe Thunder fans more than anyone throughout the NBA Twitter sphere were kind of in a position to be able to say no those guys are important trust us like that's gonna make a difference for you listen last season uh the thunderworks even with even with mellow and toe even with the struggles they still they started figuring it out and then uh robertson got hurt and what happened the, the defense just fell apart it, it matters man having long versatile wings who can defend multiple positions matters and right now that's what the thunder have and that's what the rockets need you know, every team needs that. That's why, you know, that's why I love the Celtics. They they have four or five guys who can guard, you know, one through one through four, basically. And that matters. That matters because defensively you can just you can choke off the other team and and just stop what they're trying to do. So right now, yeah, the Rockets are trying to figure it out. And I I don't see where the answer is going to come from. Yeah. And I could be wrong, but I believe that that's the first time Carmelo Anthony has been mentioned in this discussion of the Rockets. Uh <laughs> Which I think is honestly pretty appropriate because it's not his fault. You know, I I think he got a little bit unfairly scapegoated. Do you agree, James? I don't think he got scapegoated. I think that the numbers were showing, just like last year in OKC, that the team was just better with him on the on the bench, right? So that you know they they came to him and they were using um I think it was Gary Clark started getting minutes and like look he does he fits what we want to do more and you're gonna bump right. that definitely and he just he didn't want to be part of that. That's the thing. That's I, I think I don't think a lot of people understand. I think people thought they just jettisoned Carmelo, but Carmelo did not want to be have a smaller role off the bench already, and no, not be the first reserve, not get the bulk of He didn't want that, and you know you respect him as a veteran. He didn't want that, so they they're looking for a trade for him. Um, but at the same time, yes, and on the Rockets' list of problems, he wasn't at the top. He still he was he wasn't like tenth. Right. He, yeah. he was still playing minutes and there was you no know, they were getting destroyed in the minutes he played for the most part. So it, it definitely was something they had to address. But, yeah, their problems are definitely bigger than Carmelo. So hypothetical question. And I brought this up on Twitter and I want to reiterate, like I did in the original tweet, I don't think the Rockets should do this. But if Houston decided to trade Chris Paul tomorrow, what do you think they could get for him? <sighs> the problem with that is like that contract, man. He's going to oh, be yeah. 30 37 making 45 million dollars like there's certain teams like oh no here's here's one package let take a bunch of stuff from charlotte and try to get Kemba walker there you right? go That's an idea. Great. he's not chris paul obviously he's not Kyrie, but he's a, he's great he's, he's a great player he's undersized but you put him with james harden and that team where they can run and gun he's shown he can you know shoot the pull up three but right now the big the problem with that is the money, right? The, they'd have to take back some really horrendous contracts from Charlotte, you know, and I don't know if Charlotte's willing to do that. Um, and so yeah, any team that's going to hitch himself to Chris Paul right now, like you're you're paying a guy who's past his is on the downhill down downward slide. He's injured every year, you know, probably misses 20, 25 games. Playoffs, he I don't, when's the last time he finished out a playoff series healthy? You know, we in the last three four seasons, either it's ended his season or he's been hobbled in the playoffs. So. It's tough, man. It's really tough. Um, you're going to have to. You're not going to get a, a, a like a, a stud young player, right? You're not just not going to. Um, maybe can can you swing something with the Lakers? 
you know, and try to get maybe Alonzo Ball and some pieces and some dead money from the Lakers. I, I don't know. I, it's I've never been the biggest Chris Paul fan. I respect that he's a great player. I, he's efficient. He's like everything that he's everything you want in the basketball player as far as a point guard. But impact wise, he's never been one of those guys to me that's like top five, top six. So now he's aging. He's not making shots. Uh, he he's his turnovers are on the rise. His assists are kind of dropping. I don't know. I don't know what you're gonna get for Chris Paul. You know, at this stage of his career. Yeah, what's crazy is that if it wasn't for the league rule uh, where you can't have like a mega deal past the age of 37, he his deal would probably be even bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that he is the president, you know, of one of one of the one of the administrators of the of the players union. He actually changed that rule so he can get his money a little bit later. But uh, I don't know, man. It's no, no, I do know. I, I'm actually enjoying watching the Rockets kind of fall apart because they, they, they've been, uh, you know, Harden's been kind of his, his fans and his stands got him. the team is not bad, but the, the fans have been the most annoying fans in the world. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, Hey, here's an idea I just had because I was looking at some trades for our weekly podcast that we're going to do. Do you think the bucks would have any interest in, swapping chris middleton if he really is unhappy and maybe throwing in a bad contract i think they have tony snell they're probably not in love with that one i think that's probably pretty close to working i still think it's enough i think uh right yeah. now middleton's only making like 16 or 13. 17 13 13 there you go yeah snell's making what 10 yep eight no it's not enough but it's not can maybe cobble something together yeah but yeah so um, so that would come up to, they'd have to approach Giannis and, and explain to Giannis. Cause I'm pretty sure that, you know, Middleton has been like his safety blanket in Milwaukee, right? right? His mid-range game. Um, and he's younger, he's more in line with Giannis's, uh, time frame. That would definitely be the all in move for the Bucks. Um, mm-hmm. and do you, do you roll that dice? I think Giannis, his extension, I think he'll have a couple more years of Giannis until he's up for another mega deal, you know? And so you, you want to make sure you keep him happy. I think that's tough. I think yeah. the Bucks, Bucks management might want to do it. I don't think it's the best move for them. Yeah, it's, that's it's a good call. Right now. So <laughs> I, I could see both teams wanting that. I just don't think that's the, the best move. I could see uh, an Anthony Davis move out east, maybe forcing the Bucks' hand a little bit and maybe forcing them to do a move like that that they wouldn't otherwise be willing to do if they had the patience to wait. Because people kind of see them as a contend now. So maybe. <laughs> so uh, so is there anybody else you want to talk about in the West, James? We got the Jazz who've been floundering a little bit. We've got the Clippers surprising everybody. Uh, the Nuggets with the hot start, then a bunch of injuries. The Warriors with all their drama. Anybody else that you're really just hankering to talk about? Now, I, I will say that I, I was actively rooting for the Spurs' downfall. Uh, I just got, I mean, <laughs> it was like 20 years of, you know, Tim Duncan and Manu, Manu and, and, and uh, you know, and Tony Parker. So when they kind of broke up, I was kind of, you know, I was ready for them to turn the page. It's been sad. They've gotten blown out. Like, I think they've had more 30-point losses. Like, I don't know. They've lost, like, by 30 points in, in the last couple of weeks more than they have in years. Um, they just don't look good. And tonight they won. You know, it's a good win for them tonight. They beat, uh, I don't know, they played, they played the, the New Orleans, whatever. So they won tonight, but they're not, no one's scared of the Spurs now. They beat the Jazz tonight. Uh, no one's scared of the Spurs right now, but I love, I, I don't know. It's kind of sad to watch. I was ready for them to break up, and now I almost feel, it's, it's almost like watching 
you know, watching a prize fighter who used to be one of the best, you know, getting pummeled by like, you know, by 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 nobodies. So yeah, almost. Right. Well, you wanted to see you wanted to see those specific players fail, right? <laughs> I didn't want to fail. I just you know because what do we always say? I always say this: there's 29 franchises, and then the Spurs. The Spurs were like just something. They operated like on another realm, it seemed like. And now they look very mortal. They look very much like a, a any any kind of bad, you no, know, not very good team. So, yeah, the New England Patriots of the NBA. Exactly. All right. So, look, I'm not going to make you list all eight playoff teams from the West. I'm just looking for a little bit of a prediction here. So, I'll just ask this: Give me three teams other than the Suns and. You know, unless you want to go hot take and include one of these teams, other than the Suns, the Kings, and the Mavericks, who you think will miss the playoffs this year. Three other teams who will miss. Three other. Um, I, I'm saying this. The Mavericks might make the playoffs. They might. I, yeah. They, they look like a legitimately good team. They're not just winning by luck. You know, they're they're grinding. They're, they're, they run their stuff with confidence. Uh, Luca is the. Re- I'll be the. I had to say it. I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I was skeptical about Luca Doncic and his athleticism translating. All skepticism is gone. That guy is the authentic. <laughs> truth. I'm not the biggest fan of his and his his his, his, his like his, his his hysterics and all the, but the guy can play. He's he has a flair for the dramatic. He can play. So Dallas might make the playoffs, and this is the hardest part for me when you come to who's going to miss. Um, I'm worried about New Orleans. Because even though we got Anthony Davis, he said it himself. I I have to play perfect for us to have a chance to win. He's been playing great, and they're still losing. They're not winning a lot of games. Um, New Orleans has me worried. Uh, Sacramento, I'm glad that they're playing better, but I'll, they're not going to make the playoffs. So who else we got? Uh, you got, this, you got the Spurs, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Blazers. Spurs are going to make the playoffs. Uh, and oh, the Blazers that's... are also worrying me right now because the Blazers – They've, they've, they, I, I, I tip my hat to Dame. He spent the last three or four years fighting off, you know, all the uh, whatever you think assumptions, and they've made the playoffs. They've just, they've lost some bad games this year, and they just don't look like, you know, there's not enough around Dame and CJ. So I'm worried about the Blazers. I'm pretty sure the Spurs are not going to make it from the way they're looking right now. Um, who else we got? And then New Orleans. Grizzlies, Grizzlies Jazz, Pelicans, too. Rockets. Yeah, the, and the Grizz- oh, yeah, Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Uh, I, I'll say this about the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies. I said this the other day on Twitter. They remind me of a of a very like a fierce, well trained fighter who is trying to use like a dull old English broadsword when everybody else is using lightsabers. Because <laughs> they play hard, they play discipline, all that. But when you don't you don't shoot the three at a volume and you don't shoot the three well, you're going to get smoked a lot of nights. That's what we're seeing from them. You know, they can muck it up all they want to, but everybody else has lightsabers and and uh and laser cannons, and you have uh you know a catapult and uh, a rusty battle axe. You're gonna beat some guys who don't know how to use that lightsaber, <laughs> but for the most part, you know you're gonna take some L's, and that's what I think Memphis. You know, they've got people out early in the season. Now things are kind of normalizing, and they're struggling. I think you just took the the crown for the best analogy that's happened on Topic Thunder yet. So. Congratulations on taking the throne. Thank you. I'll send you my address to mail me my award. Appreciate <laughs> it. What does that mean? Do I get, do I get anything? Did I win? Do I get I a bonus? <laughs> That'll be sick. 
No, it's just, I don't know. Seems dumb. <laughs> it does. Maybe, yeah. Whatever. Well, uh, so yeah, my, my team, I'd say Memphis, uh, New Orleans, and oh, crap, who's my last team I said? Spurs. Grizzlies? No, Spurs. Yeah. So oh, yeah. those are my three I'd say are probably going to miss. And I think Dallas might make it, man. Dallas might be in. All right. Well, you heard it here first, Twitter sphere. All right. So with that, we'll move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder topics. I'm sure you've all just been waiting on the edge of your seats for that. And a lot of these are going to include Twitter questions. So up first, and we had two people kind of ask a similar question. So I'm going to throw both of them in here at Don underscore Harrison. Why does national media hate Russ and the Thunder? And then similarly from Zoe at Phi underscore Ison. I don't know if I said that right. Is Russ a top 25 player in the NBA? According to some fantastic folks at the ringer, have him outside of. I'm not sure about that grammar. Phi Ison, but here we go. What do you think? Uh, so the first question, why? So I think um, a big reason that the media has an issue with OKC and and Russ was, I mean, let's be real. For the last two years, well, two years ago when KD left, it was just Russ and and he 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 went nuts. That was a great story, but like they, yeah, I think we all agree we kind of knew they weren't going anywhere as far as playoff wise, right? So yes. with a small market team like Oklahoma, I mean, once once you lose that other star and you lose that contending status. They, they, they faded to the background. And then last year, they got Paul George, they got Carmelo, so they were back on the forefront. But when it didn't work out, it, it became almost like, a, well, same old, you know, here we go, small market team, can't get things done. Your boy Presti got killed. Um, you know, we all know now, looking back, that basically it was Melo. It was Melo, and then the, 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 the fear of Paul George leaving had a real weird aura around the team. So now that they're playing well, it's still more of a let's see what they can do over long term thing. It takes a while to change the perspective of the national media, you know, and it's like I think people started kind of talking about them a little bit. I heard Zach Lowe say something the other day and then they lose to the Bulls. You know, that's one of those things that you don't want to see happen. But um, it'll take, you know, I think by February, if that defense holds up, if they stay top three or four, they'll get a lot more love because Paul George has been amazing. Russ Numbers-wise, has been amazing. He still seems to be kind of struggling with fitting in his new role. But, um, yeah, that's that's all. I, I, I think a lot of it also I think it's because Russ and his demeanor. You know, media wants a guy who's packaged and smiling, and Russ doesn't do that. And I think a lot that it kind of offends the sensibilities of a lot of guys. Um, so that's why. And then, of course, the analytics crowd. Analytics crowd wants threes and dunks, and they want everything to be efficient. Russ is inefficient, and it it same thing. It kind of uh, it, it turns them off to Russell Westbrook. So it's it's it is what it is, man. People are gonna hate him, and you know he doesn't care. Um, and I know Thunder fans don't care. So yeah, and I I think it was a really well said point that you made, um, including the tension over whether or not Paul George was going to leave in last season's woes alongside Carmelo Anthony. I think that's something that gets overlooked a little bit in the national media, but go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you think there's still some bias or animosity that, that this team, even though it's been 11 years was taken from Seattle? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of, um, you know, fans of other teams or maybe ex Seattle fans there, there is, it's a left, a left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Like a lot of people say that Seattle 
it's still a great basketball town, right? And they deserve a team. And so even though it's not the Thunder players' fault, people hold that against the Thunder, you know? So that's absolutely one of the reasons why, too. Well, and I, I live in Seattle currently. I'm currently podcasting from Seattle. And, and yeah, I would love to see them get a team up here, mostly so it would get them off my back. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think Seattle is a good basketball town. But, again, this is my argument to everybody else. Seattle had the opportunity to build them a new arena. The key arena was old and aging, and they refused to do it. I mean, you're right, but don't forget, your boy – Clay Bennett and them did they did promise, hey man, we're not gonna move the team. And the minute they bought the team, they moved the team. Like that's, they did them wrong. They did them wrong. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there was that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but um, it's one of those situations that you know I wish that people would look at Russ and what like the same thing. Like somebody just wrote an article. Um, I wish I could remember who it was, but like you know, Russ is a bad teammate. Russ is just that hard to play with. His teammates seem to love him, and like you know, they, they kind of give a an uh, uh, inner look about how that locker room seemed to really rally around Russ. He's one of those guys. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it takes a while to change perception. Um, hopefully this season, the Thunder can make a deep run and get, get people to maybe view him and in in, in the team in a more, in a more positive light. So uh, sticking with Russell Westbrook, um, triple doubles, uh, significant or stat padding? <sighs> Okay, let's be let's let's talk cold turkey here because there there were times in the last two years when Russell Westbrook was absolutely gunning for triple doubles, absolutely, and yep. I, it was it wasn't very often, but there were times when Russell Westbrook absolutely stopped shooting because he was looking, and that that's not a good look, right? And I love Russ because he's human. I, we all could say that. A lot of players would say, "Oh, I don't care about that," but he was showing he did care about it. That being said, it's still significant. And you can still see when like another player gets one, people, oh, triple-double. But something about Russell Westbrook again, he's made it to the point where they're routine and people don't care when he gets them. And that shows, that speaks to kind of his greatness. What other 6'4 six, six, point guard, you know, is in there? Like, I think the other night he had, what, 17 rebounds, like 15 assists? Nobody bat an eye. Not a single person. Like, it, it wasn't even a big deal. So I, I think the further – when, when it's all said and done and Russ is, is done playing basketball, it'll take a couple of years and people will look back and really realize what the, what that guy is. He's a, he's a freaking nature athlete. He's a fierce competitor. The guy's incredible. You know, it's almost to the point where people look at a 30, 10, and 9 uh, stat string from Russell Westbrook and think that's better than a 30, 10, and 10 because they're like, oh, he happened to get a triple-double, so that's a negative value. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because even the stats show that, you know, the team is better. Like, the the, the record when he gets triple-double is something – it's way better than the record when he does it or whatever. And like 89 and 19. Yeah, it's, so it's – it's I don't know, man. It's HP basketball, or Matt Moore as we know him, Matt Moore the writer, he, he, he said something about Russ that really stuck with me. He said, Russell Westbrook is like rock and roll. Either you get it or you don't. Yeah. Either, it's, either, either you feel that music <laughs> in your soul or it's just loud noise to you. And that's Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, it's hundred percent. And like, my argument to those people who are like, "Oh, the triple doubles overrated or inflated," I'm like, or they're stat padding. I tell them, like, what NBA player isn't stat padding? Like, great players are aware of their numbers and where they need to go. Uh, you know, I've seen LeBron, as a matter of fact, this year, tell his coach that he was staying in the game so he could go for fifty-one. Like yeah. these these players know their numbers, and so yes occasionally 
it looks bad on them that they're you can obviously tell that they're going for a specific number but i mean every nba player or every great nba player does it at some point in time i mean it's a little bit a little bit of hypocrisy jamal murray you know is up big on the celtics and he's still he's still taking threes to try to hit 50 and that's just a guy being competitive but when you know if it again Something about Russell Westbrook just sets people off where, you know, he's selfish, whatever. So it's it is what it is, man. Yeah, and you had you had like Clay Thompson last year on the last game of the season trying to get his twenty point average. Like we all know KD from his time with the Thunder was always running over and checking with the scorers table on what his stats were at. So I I don't know. Russ gets a bad rap for that. Um uh, by the way, shout out real quick. Not that he needs a shout out. Chris Mannix of SI. That's the article you were referencing a little bit earlier, James. Um, it was a really great article with quotes from several teammates, including former teammate Nick Collison, just basically basically gushing about Russell Westbrook as a teammate. The next Twitter question we've got is from Jerry at Gerald Amir. The biggest surprise from this team, the bench overall, the draft prowess with these young guys performing shooting terribly and still finding ways to win. What's your biggest surprise from this team so far, James? Uh, can I, can I have two of them. I have two things. One is the fact sure. that, yeah, the fact that, you know, uh, with, with Robertson out, I was, you know, I was worried how they would cobble together defense. And I actually, I tweeted this out there that I can't remember. I think since like, since like November 14th or something, the Thunder have like the number one defense in the league, you know, mm-hmm. it's, They've had it for the last couple of weeks, and they've been like they've been airtight until the loss of the Bulls, and until the the Brooklyn game, they've been really good uh, defensively. So that surprised me. And then the uh, yeah, the emergence of Hamadou Diallo and uh, my guy Deontay, Deontay Burton. Like I like Deontay coming out and Hamadou. I said these guys, you know, they're gonna be nice. They they can have they they can be nice pros. They can be the pros. The fact that they hit the ground running and immediately are contributing the way they are really shocked me and like you said the Celtics, the Celtics the Thunder have been looking for wing help for years since KD was there they were looking for another two guard or wing help the fact that now they have two possibly three including Ferguson young guys who could really help on the wings uh, defensively and offensively that is huge you know because moving forward hey Russ is Russ is 30 right he's almost 30 or he's 30 it's they have these young athletic wings you know, to really help out so that's a big deal yeah, so which one of those guys is most impressive to you so far out of those young guys? You know, like you said, Diallo, Ferguson, Burton. I mean, throw in TLC and Abdul Nader if you want to, but I think we can confine it to those first three most likely. Yeah, uh, Nader and uh, TLC aren't part of the long-term plan, it seems like. But if we're talking about who's my favorite, um, I think Burton's a physical freak. Mm-hmm. He reminds me so much of, like, he has a little swagger like Dion Waiters. He has a lot of bounce off the floor. He's a he's like a powerful he's like a mini Zion Zion uh the guy's name Zion uh, Zion dude. Williamson yeah Zion he's like a mini Zion or something man he's like a bolt he's like he's like uh yeah whatever I, I love the so he's my did, favorite did you see that dunk that Chris Haynes tweeted out of him in warmups where it was a 360 I think technically but by the time he landed it was about a 720 <laughs> guys he's the fact he's so small but he's powerful man. Um, but then your boy Hamadou is one because he has a really nice feel for the game. Um, I watch college. I don't watch college ball. So I, like, right before the draft, I start doing research. And I find clips and I'm looking at video. So as I'm watching video with this kid, I'm like, how are not, how are more people not talking about him? Like he mm-hmm. just he looked like a basketball player. He looked like a he looked like a player. 
And so for him to hit the ground at OKC and just immediately kind of fit and be a player, that was a that's he's he's probably my favorite one. I think long term he probably has the highest upside out of them. Yeah, and I think just kind of keeping what's been a running theme throughout this of uh, us just really loving dunks from people. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that he's right-handed and his signature dunk is a left-handed windmill, it just like I'm sold. You know, that's <laughs> that just completely impresses me off a of player. Hands down. Yeah. So okay. So moving on from the young guys to a few more established rotation players that have been kind of iffy of late. Do you think Abrinas and Patterson are good enough for this team as the I don't know what seventh and eighth guys in the rotation. So far in their in their Thunder careers, the idea of Abrina, of Abrinas and Pat Pat are better than the actual players, and that's what's they need. The Thunder desperately need shooting. They need shooting like a a dying man in the desert needs water, and so when when they both show flashes, it it, it gets everybody so hyped. But look, we keep saying Abrinas is a shooter, but if he if he can't make threes, which he, he doesn't do very, you know, he doesn't do consistently, th- then eventually you, you got to just call it what it is. Same thing with Pat Pat. Pat Pat provides, you know, at times he can be capable defensively. Um, you know, he, he seems like he knows how to play the right way. But if he's not making shots, it is what it is. You, you got to find guys in there who can make shots. And so um, you got to roll with them. I think you got it. That, you know, that's one thing about Billy Donovan. He'll kind of stick with the game plan to see how it turns out. So you, you got to kind of roll with them and and. But if by February, you know, I'm talking not even February, if when January rolls around, if they're still not, not making shots, you got to just find somebody else to take their spots in rotation. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, they've been a little disappointing, and I've been kind of driving the train of saying that their numbers are going to straighten out. But, I mean, we've seen in recent games, Patrick Patterson's defense has actually started to become a little bit of an issue. So that's where we can't have any of that. And speaking of defense... If Andre Robertson is not able to return this season, and we don't know that, disclaimer, we don't know that, do you think OKC can contend without Andre Robertson, or is he a necessary piece, given how good the defense has been without him? Uh, so I think, though, you know, I don't think he'd make much of a difference this regular season because he'd have to come back, get up to speed. But right. if you if you could get if you if the Thunder could get Robertson Robertson back at ninety percent for the playoffs where he can guard other teams opposing wings the way he did last season, that would be huge. And that become that's when they become contenders because we saw Robertson, you know, from James Harden to Kevin Durant, he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. That's up there with Kawhi as far as I've seen. Uh, so, but if you that in a playoff setting is more important than during the regular season. Right. In the in a, in a seven game series with Houston or even against Kevin Durant, and the Warriors, having a guy like that, to you know, blanket the other team's best perimeter player. That's very important. So they can I'll say they're still contenders because this team is going to go as far as Russell Westbrook and Paul George take them. But Robertson gave them gave them another a little bit higher of a ceiling. You know, what I mean, a little more a little more defensive leeway, a little more. He, he helped in the margins. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and shout out at She's for OKC on Twitter, who we really like interacting with for asking an elongated version of that question. I had to pare it down, but shout out to her. So from Jacoby at only one Jacoby, 
Uh, when playoffs come around and everything slows down, do you think OKC's offense will be able to perform at a peak level? Um, I'll say this. Russell Westbrook's decision-making has been um, it's been better, but he, I love Russ to death, right? But even as a big fan of his, we, I think we've seen him short-circuit at times. Even a couple games this season, he's kind of – he shot them out of the game. You know, yeah. I think uh, – I think that was like maybe the Denver game. Whatever game that was, he shot 12 threes, which is That's ridiculous. the one. Yeah, so um, I love Russ to death. And I keep waiting for him to – like. he's getting better. Obviously, he's getting better. He's, he's gaining experience, but he's 30. He's 10 years in the league now, and he still sometimes just makes mistakes and make me want to just pull my eyeballs out. So um, they need Russell Westbrook to really focus. When he's focused, he's one of the best in the league. You know, We need him to focus the playoffs. Um, and sh- shooting. They need shooting from somewhere else. So if they might have to make a move. I don't know, but they got to find some more consistent shooting because otherwise teams are going to just wait in the lane for Russell Westbrook and they're going to just guard Paul George on the perimeter. And that's going to be it, you know? So uh, they got to find more shooting. Uh, if the defense can hold up, they'll have a chance in any series, I think. You know, I don't know about the Warriors. We'll see, I guess. Warriors got to be healthy. But right. uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'll say this. The offense just hasn't been good right now, and unless they find some more shooting and Russ gets him, you know, kind of smooth himself out a bit, then then yeah, the the ceiling is considerably lower on the Thunder. Yeah, and we've seen some pretty crazy stats from Paul George lately, so that leads into the last Twitter question we have from again at only one Jacoby. Does PG have the capabilities to be a good Robin to Russ's Batman? How Russ was Robin to Katie's Batman? How do you think that fit is? Um, you know what I like to see? I like the fact that Russ seems to understand, you know, I mean, Paul George is obviously the better shooter, and he's a he's an explosive scorer. Yes. And I think he's one of the most underrated players. Like, uh, no one's talking about Paul George right now, and he's been incredible this season on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. It took him a couple weeks to get a shot together, but I think he's been shooting 39% from three over that, like, this, this nice little time when the Thunder have been winning. Um, he's been just remarkable. That 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 show he put on against Brooklyn was incredible. So I think that maybe Russ has kind of maybe had his fill of doing everything he you know, he did anything he wanted for the last two and a half years, right? I think maybe he's kind of he understands now he needs Paul George to be that guy that he's been, and he's you know deferring a little bit more. Russ is playing off ball a little bit more. He's letting Schroeder handle the ball. That's that's a big sign of growth to me. So. I really think the fact that Paul George decided to stay in OKC, you know, he wanted to be there, means so much to both him and him and uh, Russell Westbrook that they they really seem to have a pretty good bond and they they enjoy playing together. So I definitely think, unlike with KD and Russ, it seemed to be a little bit of friction sometimes. Uh, and, you know, not even friction, but you know, different different personalities. I think Paul George is a much better personality for Russ. So yes. Yeah, you talked about the game where uh, Paul George went off and he had, you know, 30 points in that comeback against uh, Brooklyn. Why is he not getting more attention? I mean, it's, you know, I'm not complaining because that way, you know, he kind of slides underneath the radar and he has more freedom to do the thing. But he should be getting a lot more attention than what he's not than what he's getting. Listen, I tweeted this out the other day. I think Paul George is averaging a little over 24 points, like eight rebounds, four assists, and he's shooting 38. Like, you know, I don't know. He's make oh, and two, two, two steals a game. He is the only player in the last three or four years to have ever done that, to put up that stat line 24, eight, four assists, and two steals. Only player in the last four or five years. I think like Michael Jordan, 
Dr. J, Paul George, and like one more person have done that ever. And no one's talking about it, you know? Um, so it's one of those things. It's, it's, I think this is backlash from last year, right? Because everybody made a big deal about Carmelo and Paul George coming, and they, they really underperformed. So I think people just stopped paying attention to OKC. And so, you know, they need, a, they need one good national TV game uh, to kind of bring everybody back to paying attention. Is it maybe backlash from him staying in OKC and not joining the uh, proverbial super team in the Lakers? That's definitely part of it, too, because a lot of those same unbiased media people said that Paul George was like, you know, he's making a mistake. You know, I don't know what he's thinking, what's going on. His head. Look, the guy's happy and he's got he's got paid a lot of money and he's getting a featured role instead of being a LeBron James caddy. You know, so I, I don't I don't know what they. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, people, people, people. <laughs> Paul George, they, 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 there are a lot of smart people who just, uh, well, hope he's hope he's happy making money and being out in the first round. So um, people seem to resent the fact that he didn't bow down to King James. And I, I appreciate the fact that he wanted to blaze his own path. You know, one of my favorite moments of free agency when it opened was almost seeing Brian Windhorse just pass out uh, on live TV when he saw the news come through about Paul George. Yeah, he, he really made a spectacle of that. And it was... <laughs> It was, it was almost, I was just kind of embarrassed for him. You know, Wendworth is a smart guy. He has, he's, he's, I know he's really uh, in tune and locked in, but yeah, he really kind of freaked out. And, you know, yeah, it was, there was a lot of those guys, a lot of media guys had that kind of reaction. And you, I get it. LeBron James is, is possibly the greatest of all time, but it's kind of sickening to watch the way some people, you know, treat him and, and write about him. I think that a, I think the Thunder would have gotten a large, a uh, lot more hype about Paul George's. 47 point game against Brooklyn if LeBron James hadn't also done a crazy thing on the exact same night and kind of stole his thunder on that night. Uh, yeah, I, I think LeBron had like 14 points in a row while, you know, yeah, yeah. Paul George scored like 30, 29 points in the fourth or something. So, but whatever. We know how, we know that story, man. We know how it goes. Yeah, we know how that goes. We're used to it. Um, okay. So, this has been great. We've got one last thing we want to run you through before we let you go, James, if that's all right with you, which is a pretty simple game over under, which I don't think needs much explanation. You down for that? Let's do it. All right. So the first one here is actually chipped in from Alex Roig, who wasn't able to join us this time. Over under the all-star break for Andre Robertson's return date. Ooh, I think this last setback, they're going to take back with him six weeks, they said. Yeah, it should put us right around the the new year, I think. I think he'll make his appearance right before the All-Star break. That way they can let him come back, have dip his feet in the the water, and then they have a little break for him to recoup. And so I think probably he he comes back right before the All-Star break. So I'll say, uh, I guess, over. Okay, and then uh, the rest of these are going to be more standard numbers based with whatever point fives like you get used to seeing in the over unders. So over under zero point five trades involving rotation players. Mm, over. They got. They got. Right. They'll, they'll find. A, they're going to find a shooter. So over. Okay. Cool. That that's that. A lot of Thunder fans, a lot of our followers are going to be really happy to to hear that and. We'll be really happy to see that. 
uh, 0.5 major awards won for the Thunder. So that's Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved Player, and Most Valuable Player. If Schroeder keeps this up, I think he has a real shot at six man. Uh, Paul George should be in the running for something, but he'll be a, on the all defensive team. He won't, you know. We we know that no one's really paying attention to how how well he's been playing. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over. I'll give Schroeder that one. Over under two point five Thunder players <laughs> in the All Star game. Uh, under because. Yeah. So the question uh, Adam, is basically, will Steven Adams make it? Yeah, Adams won't. He won't get that kind of love. Um, even though he he he's been really good. I mean, that's you, he's been he's he's earning his paycheck this this year. But yeah, unless the Thunder really, uh, I'll say this: if they hold on to the number one spot or, or number one or two spot by the All Star break, then I will give a tentative over. So that's the only way they hold on. That's the only way they get three. If they get off, if they make it to the All Star break in the as a top two. Look, I'll be rioting in the streets if JaVel McGee gets in the All-Star game as a center <laughs> over Steven Adams. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it's I mean it'll be it'll be Marc Gasol and then wherever they decide to vote Anthony Davis at. And then I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but there's there's some legitimate competition for him, but yeah, I mean if if the Thunder finish in the one or two spot, that's the kind of team success that gets Gets players yeah. voted in, you know, like a la the Atlanta Hawks a few years ago when they were just balling out. Go Bear, uh, your boy Jokic. Go Bear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jokic, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so over under zero point five Thunder players on the All Rookie Team. Basically, I'm asking about Diallo. Um, mostly All Rookie goes to guys who put up like big numbers. So, are there two All Rookie teams or three? Um, yeah, uh, uh, I will say, I don't know, man, but guys like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, like his starters, you know, there's, there's a lot of starters. So I got to say under, I, I think Hamadou is going to be, uh, he's going to be snubbed. Yeah. He'd have to have some, some real highlight games on national TV to, to make some noise in that award. So I, I think I agree with you on that one over under. 1.5 Thunder players on the all-defense team. There are two of those as well. Um, I think it's probably only would be Paul George, so I'll say under. Even though Jeremy Grant has been incredible on both sides of the ball in his role. Um, and Schroeder's been better than advertised defensively, but we know that Paul George has been the he's been the only real lockdown guy. Adams, Adams, Adams has been kind of disappointing me this year on defense, even though he's been he, he has a bigger offensive load. So I don't know. Um, you know what? Again, if they if they stick to that, like their top five defense, it would be hard to see Adams not making one of the all defensive teams, right? So I'm, I'm trying to be positive here. I'll, I'll go over. I'll go over. All right, all right. Two players on the all defense teams for the Thunder. You heard him. Okay, so up next, two point five players on the all NBA team, and I guess that's again just asking about Adams. Oh, that's tough. Oh my God, that's tough. I think the all defense is going to be his reward. So I'll say under. Okay. Think, it, it's oh, really oh, interesting just, for the Thunder how many like how many of these awards Adams is like a fringe competitor for, but is an unlikely recipient of. He's like right on the verge of getting some of these. Which I'll say this, man. I remember you remember people kind of like really scratched their head and talked about that contract that Adams signed. He's earning every penny of it. He's he's such a good center. 
um, a mix of like the you know rim run, running guys. He's not just a post up guy, but you know the fact that they can go to him and he'll give him a bucket around the around the rim is is a big deal. All right, and just just a few more here. Uh, over under fifty two point five wins for the Thunder, and fifty two is currently the five thirty eight projection for the Thunder right now. Um, the only reason I'll say under is because the West is a bloodbath. So the Thunder could win, you know, 49, 50 games, still be one of the best teams in the West. But the West right now, I think one through like nine or 10, it's just really high quality teams. And they're, they're going to beat up on each other. So um, I'll go under. And that's not a, that's not a slight to the, to the Thunder. Their, their win totals might not just might have gaudy win totals, but they're going to be really good uh, defensively all year. OK, so, um, yeah, I, I agree that a relatively lower win total relative to other seasons doesn't necessarily mean that you've done poorly this year. So the next one is over or under the 2.5 seed. And we can, we can just say over means toward the one and under means toward the eight to clarify that. Um, with those injuries that's going on, injuries going on in Denver, I'm, I'm feeling good about OKC, man. I, that Chicago loss kind of, you know, kind of put some rain on my day, but I'm, I'm feeling yeah. saucy. I'll feel saucy. I'll say over. All right. So you've got us with under 52 and a half wins, but with the two seed <laughs> or the one seed. All right. I guess it doesn't make a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense what's happening here. Um, it could. It could. We, we'll just you know if you if you get it right, we'll have to call you like Snotstradamus or something like that. I doubt the number one seed has like 53 wins, and then the the Thunder come in number two with 49 wins. I guess so that doesn't make any happen. sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, Thunder fans. I've I've failed you uh, with my my lack of logic. All right. So whatever happens in the regular season, when we get into the playoffs, seeding is only a number, right? So if, no matter what the seed is, no matter if you're wrong about the number of wins, like we can get it, we can get this one right. So over or under two and a half rounds into the playoffs. All right. So first, I'm gonna change my answer to say 54 wins this year for the Thunder. Oh, we switched to and over. We have I'm a switch. Let me that mark that down. <laughs> I can be happy with my number two seed prediction. Okay. And then what was my next question about the rounds? Would you ask me? Over, over or under two and a half rounds into the playoffs. So basically, do they make the conference finals or less? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, look, Houston's a mess. Denver's, like I said, dealing with injuries. And, you know, we, we don't know what they are yet. Um. The Jazz are just starting to, you know, maybe find their footing. But um, yeah, I, I'm gonna again. Let's let's keep it positive, man. I'm sending that that putting energy out there. The Thunder definitely can make the Western Conference Finals. That's it. What else can I say? Russell Westbrook's great. Paul George is great. The other guys are really fitting in their roles and believing. Uh, Adams is a perfect third third wheel. And then your boy, uh, our, our boy Dennis Schroeder has been a great super sub. Let's let's do it. Sh- Abrinas is going to find his stroke. Patterson is going to find his stroke in February. Those boys are going to West Conference Finals. We love to hear it, man. That's what we're after. So we're we're just glad to have you on. And I got I got a you're you're trying to keep it positive. I got one last one to throw at you. See how positive you want to keep it. Over or under 0.5 championships for the Oklahoma City Thunder this season. Oh. <laughs> um had to do it to him. I, no, I appreciate it. And look, in a perfect <laughs> world, in a perfect world, we get to see Russ stare down Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in the finals. 
in oh, a team. That in a perfect world, we'd all watch that and we'd you know we we cheer Russ on because if Russ won the championship without Kevin Durant, that'd be like you know I know I know I'd have to make a flight to Oklahoma City to come and and, and celebrate. Um, I gotta be realistic though. Uh, best team in the West. If if Golden State has three of has Curry and Durant healthy and at least Dre and Clay, one of those guys on the floor with them. They're almost unbeatable. Uh, their bench depth is really bad right now in Golden State, but I'm, I, I still got to, you know, I'm, until Golden State loses in the finals, it's hard for me to bet against them. So I have to say under, under on that one. So I've got an over-under, not for this season, but for a career. So sticking with triple-doubles, Russell Westbrook, over-under 181 triple-doubles for a career. Where's he at now? Uh, he's at 108. Um, I'll, oh, yeah, that's easy over, I think. Which makes him pass Oscar Robertson for most in a career. I think so, because I think now we know he's going to get one like every probably, you know, four or five games for the rest of his career, or at least one. So I don't know. It, it's to the point where, you know, if Russ wants to triple, it, it, he just gets them. He's just collecting them now. So if, if his career is going to last for another four or five years, yeah, I say it's easy over. All right, yeah, um, he he'll be pounding out some of those Jason Kidd ten, ten, and ten t- triple doubles by the end of his career, just just like clockwork, right? I hope so. And he he learns how to shoot a spot up a spot up jumper, and you know he's he's a he's he's a, a key player on a with a, a dunk every you know once one dunk every two months kind of thing. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. All right, so hey, this has been a lot of fun. Um, that's that's pretty much all we have. I I just want to make sure and say again. Big thanks for coming on with us tonight, James. I we've been watching your work on Twitter. I, I've I've been hearing you on you know at Down to Dunk and things like that for a for a long time. Um, been a big fan, and to just to have you on our podcast, this this Upstart podcast, like I I just can't say thank you enough. Thanks for doing this, man. Hey man, it's an honor. I appreciate it, and hopefully you guys have me on some other time, and we're you know we can we can talk about some some great. Thunder stuff, but uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for, for the hospitality and let me ramble for so long. Yeah, man. If you want to come back on, you just <laughs> like any any time. So it, you got anything you want to plug? Um, just check me out. I got some new stuff dropping soon for lineups.com and for uh, realballinsiders.com. And check out my boy Joe Brelly and his Superfight Pod. Check out the Dunktails Pod, and then of course you guys are awesome. So everybody, check these guys out too. All right, thank you. So that was it. That was our podcast with James Hollis at Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. Um, You can find us at OKC Topic Thunder. You can find our recaps and this podcast on thundersintentions.com. You can find all our podcasts on now that's thunderbasketball.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder Thunder up. up. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.